great to see you all this morning, and I hope you're doing well. How can we not do well when we're thinking about our Lord and our Savior, the birth of our Redeemer? I'm going to be reading to you from Scripture, from Luke's uh, Gospel in the second chapter, and uh, I'll be reading from verses uh, 22 and following. This is the story of Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus into the temple and Simeon blessing him. So I'm actually going to ask, we have Jonathan Furlong back here on the, on the slide projector, which I appreciate. Jonathan, would you show that first slide for me? This is a, a picture of the, that was uh, Rembrandt's uh, first depiction, his famous depiction of Jesus being brought into the temple to be blessed. Um, and I'm going to read it, but I just want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, I'd like to say the actual painting itself is much, much larger. But if we showed you the whole scope of the painting, it'd be very hard to make out details. But you can see Simeon holding, holding Jesus and, and praising God. Uh, and you can see that's actually Mary, who's featured down in the, in, the blue, in the blue dress. And just to her left, actually, is Joseph. And if you notice... Um, in the lower part here of Joseph's hand, just to the left and below uh, Mary's tummy, uh, Joseph is holding uh, two pigeons, two turtle doves, to be brought up as an offering. And then if you wonder who is it who is around, who is around Simeon and around Mary and around Joseph, uh, the answer is uh, elderly people. Elderly people in the temple, people who are there praying and who are waiting, just waiting for the consolation and the comfort of Israel. And what's interesting also about the painting is you might notice on the right, just a little bit over here, these lines, these are actually steps on stairs. And uh, the idea was that these were the stairs that led up to the, essentially the throne, the seat where the high priest, where the high priest was seated. And so Rembrandt depicted this. Here's Jesus at his birth, uh, ready to ascend and assume the position of the high priest of the high priest. And then there are many others in the temple mingling around, of course, talking and jabbering and so forth. They're not even aware of what's going on. But those who'd waited for the consolation, the comfort of Israel, the redemption of God's people, well, they were very much aware and very, very much attuned. Well, uh, you can leave that, uh, I think you can probably leave that painting up for now. I appreciate that. I think we can bring the lights back up, though, at the same time. As I read to you, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and following. That when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, this of course is Mary and Joseph, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And also to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, 
he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them, Mary and Joseph. And he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. And she did not part, depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were, who were waiting the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Our Father, I ask you now, please, dear God, that you would make the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, this is a, this is a very tender story, of course, and uh, it touches us. We look at it and we can see the satisfaction and the contentment of an old man at the end of his life as he beholds Jesus in the newness of his life. And of course, it's, there's much more to it than that because what he represents, what Simeon represents, is in fact those who've been waiting for the Christ to come and the satisfaction he felt at seeing Jesus because he had been waiting. He had been longing for him. He had been looking for the Messiah. And he was not. He was not disappointed. Lord, now you are letting our servant, your servant, depart in peace according to your word, he said. And that word that Simeon was referring to goes back to verse 26. That it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Isn't that interesting language? He would not see death until he'd first seen the Lord's Christ. So he had peace. I want us to think about that this morning. What is this peace? What is this peace at the end of life that's portrayed here? Is it the satisfaction of uh, having lived a full and rich life? You know, like a living character out of a Hemingway novel, the most complete man? Is this uh, satisfaction of a man who's lived life and now has no more mountains to conquer or was it the was it the peace of knowing simply that this weary existence was about to come to an end or was it the peace of acceptance the acceptance that that he must die and the acceptance of that fact well it was a different kind of peace of course it was a different kind of peace far fuller far richer deserving of the word peace it was the peace that was completely and totally bound up in Jesus Christ. It was the peace that comes from God through Christ. And as we look at what Simeon looked at 
what Simeon saw as he saw Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning to be asking about yourself. Just ask yourself if I'm seeing the same things in my heart and life. Do I see what Simeon saw? After all, we're talking about the same Christ whom we worship, whom we trust, though in fact we know far more than Simeon really knew. We know how profound a life he lived. We know how profound a death he died. We know that he rose glorified. But what what was it about Simeon's regard for Christ, perhaps, that we can miss? Even with all these other things that we know about him and that we confess about him. Well, I'm going to suggest several things to you this morning that Simeon saw when he looked into the face of Christ. And I want to encourage you, again, to reflect on these in your own life. Simeon certainly was looking at the satisfaction of all of his longings. His longings for the good, for the true, for righteousness, for acceptance and belonging, for belonging in God's very presence. He was looking at the satisfaction of all of his longings. He saw that Jesus is the true and the good and the righteous and the one who brings him acceptance. The satisfaction of all his longings. He saw too, and this is so important, that his labors, his labors had not been in vain. His labors, the labor of his life, had been worthwhile. Not one, not a single one of all of his obediences, all those times he'd laid aside his advantage or accepted loss in order to love others with God's love, or all those occasions when he had stood firm for God's laws in the face of pressure, from others, as well as pressure from within himself, from his own flesh. And he, and he faced uh, uh, rejection or he faced disapproval. Not one of those occasions ever had been futile because everyone had contributed to his testimony and his witness to the truth. And it really is the truth that matters most. He saw that in the face of Jesus. Simeon saw that his faith had been vindicated. You know, there are a lot of religious people, and you see that, especially in the broader view, all the kind of dark, shadowy folks in the background, they're just mingling around in the temple. Yes, they're religious, but, you know, that's about it. But Simeon saw that his faith had been vindicated. Has anybody ever come up to you and asked you or wondered, They're giving you that look like, why are you so serious about Christ? Many of us have gotten that in our families. But Simeon saw the wisdom of his trusting God. That that foolishness really is the staple of unbelief. Simeon was a man who had rested his entire dignity. He had rested his reputation, his identity on God being true though every man be a liar. And he was not disappointed. He was looking at the vindication of his faith. 
And as Simeon sang these praises to Jesus, about Jesus, his was the joy of knowing that all his disappointments lie behind him. And that all of his defeats were defeated. Looking at Jesus, he saw that all his wounds were healed. He knew that all his sins were forgiven. He knew that his soul would live forever. He knew the kingdom of God was coming. He was very, very much at peace. Shakespeare wrote a play entitled All's Well That Ends Well. And in seeing Jesus, Simeon realized that all must end well because of him. And so all was well with Simeon. When he says, Lord, now you are letting your your servant depart in peace, this is what he's referring to. And what's more, as he's looking into Jesus' face, he knows, as we say sometimes, it, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, he was really ready to die. He was really ready to go be with the Lord. What lied ahead of him was much better. And he realized that in dying when he did, in leaving the world as he was leaving the world, with all of its problems and all of its challenges, not just in the world, but within his family, within his sphere of influence, within his community, he realized, he realized he was leaving behind an enormous blessing in Christ. And with as much unresolved as there was in his life, he could leave it behind because he knew there was rich blessing there also in Christ. And God was still at work. Amazing. He was at peace. He really was at peace. We see so many other things that Simeon didn't see. I mean, we have the Gospels. There's so many accounts and so much information we have that that Simeon just didn't know. But my question for you is, do you see these things that Simeon saw? Do these capture your heart? And I want us to think about it together in another, along another rubric in a bit of a different way. Because this is really, really all about Christ. Simeon was at peace because he was completely satisfied with Christ. He was completely satisfied with Christ. You know, he had given over his mind and his heart completely to consider him, and as a result, he was completely satisfied. When he thought of Christ, he held nothing back. You know, it's like, it's like taking a fork you know, at, at a holiday time and, and digging it in, you know, not hesitating, getting that fork in there and getting the full bite. He was satisfied as with the richest of food. And so as he held on to Jesus, he said, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. Isn't it amazing? Simeon refers to Jesus 
as God's salvation. He could have called him the Savior, but he doesn't. He calls him salvation. This you, Jesus, you are, you are God's salvation. I mean, complete. A gift that requires no assembly. You don't have to run out and add anything to it in order for it to work, in order for it to happen. Complete. You are God's salvation. And he stresses not only on a personal or on an individual level, but salvation for all throughout the world who believe in him. He is that great and that complete of a savior. It just does not matter who you are, great or small. It does not matter where you come from, Israel or the Gentiles. It does not matter what you have been. It does not matter what you have done. It does not matter how good you are or how depraved you are compared with other people. It just simply does not matter. Simeon was completely satisfied with Christ as the Savior. As can any of us, as we're all called to be. He did not, uh, and he didn't hesitate to stress, did he? That Christ was God's entire salvation for the entire world. And when he says, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people of Israel, with this point, Simeon is stressing that by extending his grace to the nations, God was not diminishing Israel whatsoever, but he was glorifying Israel because this had been Israel's purpose all along. This was Israel's greatness. And to reject Christ, of course, would be to reject its own, Israel to reject its own glory. Peace comes to us as we worship Christ as our complete Savior, first to last. As we find ourselves completely satisfied with Him, completely satisfied with Him. And God's desire or design is that as we do, then we do find our peace in Him. But there was more to it than that for Simeon. There was more to it than that. He was not only completely satisfied with Christ as his Savior, he was completely satisfied because he realized God, God was completely satisfied with Jesus. God was completely satisfied with him. Again, he was singing to the Lord, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you, God, have prepared in the presence of a people. And so it was for God as well as for Simeon. It was for both. Salvation, I don't mean to put a crass but salvation just couldn't get any better than that. It could not get any better than Jesus Christ. There is no one else to wait for. There's nothing better that we could hope for. No, it, this is the best. God, God is completely satisfied with Christ, his son. The prophets knew this would be the case. The prophets marveled at this. Ahead of time, the Apostle Peter would go on to write, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances for which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing 
when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. The prophets realized this is it. This was it. This is God's complete salvation. This is completely God's delight. This is completely God's satisfaction that Jesus is the Savior. Peter went on to say, even the angels, even the angels in heaven long to look into this This man, what he did, what he said, what happened to him, how he rose, how he was glorified. God is completely satisfied with Jesus, completely. He's told Isaiah this would be the case, and Isaiah prophesied it. God testified of it again at Jesus' baptism. The Father testified testified of it again at Jesus' transfiguration. He testified of it again in raising Christ from the dead and in exalting his son to his right hand. You and I might question our satisfaction with Jesus or we might find the the intensity of our conviction uh, tremoring or wavering, but there are no tremors with God. There's no wavering in him when it comes to his son, none. How delighted he is how delighted he is with Jesus. Now, why do I think that's important to remind ourselves of as well? Because we have more than our own tremors, our own vacillation to deal with. After praising God for Jesus and uh, for this wonderful song, after it ended, then the text goes on to say that Simeon blessed Mary and he blessed Joseph, but then he spoke He spoke to Mary, and this is what he said. He said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is to be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus would be opposed fiercely in the world. And, of course, the people who would believe in him and trust him and love him would be ridiculed or misrepresented or persecuted. Mary herself would be sorely tested. Tested in her own understanding about Jesus. She would face sorrow over division within her family over Jesus. She would suffer a mother's agony in seeing Jesus her son, crucified on the cross. And Simeon, and his prophecy here, was, was underscoring that this was all God's, part of God's purpose, God's plan, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. John, in his gospel, spoke and wrote in much of the same way when he said, everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives for the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is exactly why it's so important to recall that God himself is so completely satisfied with Christ so that we can be too. Jesus' coming 
as God's salvation is not too good to be true. It is too good not to be true. If the entire world rejected him, and this is my point, if everyone else in the entire world rejected him, brothers and sisters in Christ, the question would not be, how is it that you can possibly believe in him? The question is, how can they not believe in him? Faith is not the problem. Unbelief is the problem. It's the existential problem. It's the problem of evil. It is a profound philosophical problem. But it's their problem. Faith is not the problem. It's not the problem at all. So whatever happens in the world, as hearts, the thoughts of many hearts are revealed, whatever they are, do not let those be a hindrance to your finding your complete peace in Christ. We were told that rejection would happen. We were told why it would occur. But Christ is God's salvation. And he is your peace forever. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you for this portion of your word. And we ask you, please, to teach us and encourage us from it. And uh, help us, Lord, hold on to our joy in Christ as is depicted here. And I ask it for your glory and for the welfare of your people. Amen. Well, before you hear the next song, which is actually the song of Simeon, if Jonathan's still there, I'm going to ask you if you would give me the last slide. Now, this is one more slide I wanted to show you. And I want to thank uh, my sister, Sue Morrison, for drawing my attention to these. This is another picture of Simeon blessing Jesus. This is a picture now also painted by Rembrandt. But I want to say so, share something with you about this picture. And it is the complete picture. In fact, it's more than a complete picture, which I'll explain. This was probably the last work of art Rembrandt ever worked on before he died. This is what he was working on. And in fact, the picture was not complete. The face that's in the background to the upper right, uh, art experts say that that was added later because the picture was simply not complete. So imagine this Rembrandt as a young man painting as you know, brilliantly and beautifully as he did. And now Rembrandt is an old man. And maybe I'm interpreting this. Gordon Bell, you could, you could give us a great uh, lecture on this. But it looks like it was painted by an old man. The hands are, you know, the handwork, the, it, they're different. This is, an, this is an old man, maybe shaky. And you see that there was a vitality in the picture of Simeon before, the first picture of Simeon, the old man. But now when the old man paints the old man, not all that vitality is there, but just the deepest, reverence, the deepest reverence and awe of Christ. And I simply want to encourage you today and this morning in your own faith as you go forward. You know, remember what we've talked about today. 
remember it. And, you know, may God grant to us that in the waning minutes, hours, and days of our life, we would still be as vigorous in our faith as Simeon was, and I think as vigorous in our faith as dear Rembrandt, as he confessed his faith straight to the end. He was Simeon, and he was satisfied, and he was at peace. God bless you.